You are listening to Elder Law Answers for Attorneys. Elder Law Answers is the leading provider of web-based practice development tools for elder law attorneys. We help firms reach clients with tools designed by elder law attorneys for elder law attorneys. I'm Rebecca Hobbs, the National Director of Elder Law Answers and a practicing elder law attorney in the Philadelphia area. In each episode of Elder Law Answers for Attorneys, we will chat with leading experts in the field of elder law, marketing, and practice development. Welcome. In today's episode, I'm speaking with Adrian Turner on the topic of building a team for your law practice. We're going to discuss how to create a law practice where your team collaborates. We're going to talk about um, resolving conflict among your employees and how to make sure that you're hiring the right employees and team members for our law practices. So welcome, Adrian. Um, a little bit about Adrian. So she is a certified coach. She's a speaker and professional development trainer. Her company, Turner Coaching Training and Consulting LLC, provides workforce solutions and career management services. She is also an author. Um, the title of her book is Fearless, Inspired, Transformed, Fit for Success which is based on her own podcast and also provides strategies for personal and professional development. Um, so last month, her book was actually number 38 on the Amazon's bestsellers list. So congratulations on that, Adrian. Thank and you. welcome. Welcome. So let's just delve you know, right into this important topic of creating a work environment where our staff, um, our team, acts like a team um, and how, you know, we can make sure that they're collaborating. And that's so important for our law practices to make sure that we have um, an efficient team that's productive and to make sure that they're working collaboratively. So what advice do you offer to us as elder law attorneys to make sure that we are improving our team and setting them up for success? Well, I'm glad to, first of all, be able to speak on this topic because it is so important for an organization's success that they do focus on their employees, their most valuable asset. So let's begin by just talking about some of the reasons why teams aren't successful. And uh, there was a Gallup poll study that was done assessing over thousands and thousands of different uh, organizations and individuals. And what they shared is that the reasons that teams don't succeed is time constraints, lack of resources, whether that be financial or people, poor management, uh, workplace changes, poor communication, and lack of organizational goals. You know, people need to know what's expected of them. So let's focus on two areas that have the greatest impact. The first I want to say is helping your team to know your vision, uh, uh, your mission. You know, what is it uh, that you need them to do? Because statistics show that when they understand their role and the goal, then they more bond as well. They are more engaged because great teams are going to rally around a vivid vision and, and a passionate purpose. So it's important to help them understand how their uh, work contributes to the overall success of the organization. So that's one thing. The other thing is that we should be working to ensure that they have good workplace relationships. 
Now we know that everyone is not going to be best friends, Mm -hmm. but it's important that they do understand one another's values. So when I do a training exercise, one thing that I do is this thing called the sinking ship. And I'm not sure if you're familiar with this exercise, but we give them uh, this sheet that lists different people, maybe an electrician, a single mother, a lawyer, um, all these different types of people. And we say there's 12 of them that you can only save five people. So the team has to work together to understand which five people they will save. And from that, they determine, you know, what is the criteria that's most important to them And from that, you learn what people's values are. So when you understand what people believe in, what motivates them, what gets them passionate around their work, then they are better able to collaborate because they have that understanding of one another. And it ensures that the organization uh, can really help to support them in building a strong culture together. Hmm. So, you know, when we talk about teamwork. We've all heard that saying, teamwork makes the dream work. You, What are those important characteristics that we should look for and, and exist in a high-performing team? Uh, one person that I have enjoyed learning from is a gentleman named Patrick Lencioni. And he wrote a book called The Five Dysfunctions of a Team. And he shares that for a team to be high performing, they should have a clear elevating goal. They should also uh, be able to uh, be unified in terms of their commitment. Another thing uh, that makes a high performing team is that your structure is results driven meaning people know where to find information and resources. They know who's responsible for work because that empowers them to be creative and to get innovative. Another thing I would say is that there should be a shared standard of excellence. And what I mean by that is that you know how you have some people that are like the super overachievers Mm -hmm. and then you have those people who do just enough so that they don't get fired, (laughs) but they're still (laughs) performing. So, you know, in order for a team to be high functioning, there needs to be um, understanding of what does excellence mean for the organization. A great leader that I follow is the gentleman who is the CEO of LinkedIn. And he, I can't remember his name right now, but he talked about how it's important that uh, individuals be understanding of, you know, how, they should be competent in their work and be able to support the organization's goals. And then lastly, you want a high performing team, then you have to support individuals and recognize them. And I don't mean that, you know, you have to buy everybody, you know, a $25 gift card every time they do something that is impactful, but saying thank you, you would not believe how far that can go. And that can help people to really perform well, feel valued, and contribute more. Hmm. Now, let's chat a little bit about conflict resolution. 
Um, so handling conflict, figuring out how to resolve conflict, this is something that makes a lot of people feel uncomfortable. Um, and some people, you know, their natural reaction is just to ignore conflict and kind of hope that it, it goes away. Um, but we're going to talk about it. And, and you had mentioned um, a survey that had been done that surveyed 5,000 employees across the globe. And this revealed that conflict is unavoidable in the work environment. It's going to happen. Um, and in fact, even, you know, in smaller practices, maybe especially in, you know, law office where there's small um, amounts of staff, there seems like there's more conflict or it can be amplified. Um, and when it incurs, occurs, you know, conflict will severely impact performance. Um, in your book, Fit for Success, you share a few different strategies on building relationships and offer some advice on how we can build trust and open the doors for communication. Um, what are some things that we can do to help reduce conflict and increase productivity in our law offices? There's a saying that talks about oh, there's only certain things that happen naturally in an organization. Uh, and one of them is underperformance. The other is conflict. Mm -hmm. Everything else requires leadership. So mm -hmm. it really is important that as leaders, we recognize it and then help our teams to manage through it. So there's different types of conflict that can happen. Uh, conflict around uh, interdependence. And that means, you know, when you are depending on someone else to do their work because it impacts your work. An example mm -hmm. that I'll share from my days as a sales representative is that um, I was needing to do enter my information on the doctors that I was calling on every day because at the end of the week, there was someone that was responsible for rolling up all those numbers and sending a report out to our district manager. So when if I was not sending my information on time, then that person wasn't able to do their work. And that can cause conflict when people's assignments are interwoven. There's mm -hmm. also differences in terms of style. Uh, there's differences in terms of our gender and our age, those personality clashes, differences in communication. So mm -hmm. in short, we can have a lot of different conflict. And we know that conflict is inevitable, but combat is optional. So it's important to help individuals, I say, understand what type of conflict it is and then how they can manage through it. Because the personality clashes, I don't know if you've experienced this, but <laughs> through my time, and working in teams, that was one of the number one things that happened. So if we train people on their communication styles, you know, mm -hmm. I was working with one client and she was working with a gentleman on a project and she had done this work for like three weeks, putting together this report and all this amazing analysis. And then she handed it to him for his review and his input. And after she worked on it for three weeks, she said he looked at it in, an, in about five minutes. He was done. He was like, OK. <laughs> <laughs> and she was like, live it like he doesn't care. But, you know, we. When men and women, we view things differently. So we um, have different approaches in terms of our style. Uh, one thing that, that I hear often is, you know, if we ask uh, a man, what does he think? He will give you his opinion and then he's done. 
But if we ask a woman, what is her opinion? You know, that's an opening to a 15 minute dialogue. So it doesn't <laughs> mean, you know, that uh, there's an issue with one or the other. We just need to understand that we communicate and work differently. Now, I'm mm -hmm. going to share this statistic with you in terms of the importance of why everyone should be involved in resolving conflict. So it's not just up to leaders, it's not just up to, you know, let's say if you had someone that was responsible for managing, you know, the HR within your office, it's not just up to them because what we have found is that although nine of 10 employees say that um, a conflict has escalated, they say that it can take up to three days to dispel. Mm -hmm. So imagine what that looks like. You know, people are not speaking to mm -hmm. one another. So it's important to take action. I say, you know, address the mess. That's a really key leadership skill. So here are some things that I tell individuals that they can do. First of all, we need to help them understand each other. For example, what is this person like? What mm -hmm. are their strengths and their weaknesses? There were times where I've had conflict with individuals and I've just recognized that they weren't capable of delivering what I expected. Mm -hmm. And therefore, I would need to find another way to get it done or be more supportive in helping them. And in those situations, I want to tell you that my influence there really helped to build our relationship. So instead of being adversarial, it helped to build a, a relationship because there was understanding and there was empathy there. Mm -hmm. They also need to understand um, how their work impacts the success of others. And if people are, you know, really caring and they really are invested in the work that they're doing and one another, they really will work towards trying to resolve it. And as leaders, you know, sometimes you might have to get involved and say, let us sit down. I do this exercise called what's your story? Because mm -hmm. don't we all have a story of what mm -hmm. happened? And, and so we, I give individuals an opportunity to say, Tell me from your viewpoint how you felt and what happened. And then I will talk to the other person and give them the same opportunity. And then I bring them together stating our goal here today is to find a resolution or some commonality between the two of you so that we can have a wonderful workplace. And sometimes, you know what? It's not just around the work that we can help them to bond. I had two mm -hmm. gentlemen in my office that weren't getting along, but in my conversations with them, I knew the things that they liked. So they both talked to me about fishing all the time. Now, mm -hmm. I'm the last person that you will see <laughs> with a reel and standing on the side of a lake. But when I shared, you know what, Bob, Mike also likes to fish. And then they started bonding because they found something that they had in common. They could kind of put up with each other a little mm -hmm. more. And it starts out with putting up, but then it can lead to further growth in a relationship.
So I would say that um, those are some things really help them to understand one another, rally around that common goal, and then understand how, even though they may communicate and work differently, that um, they still can coexist in a way that supports their own professional goals and the goals of the of the uh, office. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, as attorneys um, and working in a law environment, you know, there's sometimes it can be a stressful environment. It can be fast moving, and I think um, one of our faults, maybe as attorneys, is that we don't necessarily take the time to stress the importance of the team getting to know each other. So other than this one example that you gave of kind of having people sit down, tell their story, what are some other things that we could be doing to make sure that our team is getting to know each other and learning about each other? I would say a great thing that you can do is to celebrate success. So that means if you even if you have a staff of just four people, you know, everyone's in their corner doing their work and may not realize what other people are doing. So if you have at one point, I used to have these uh, m- morning meetings, just five minutes where we kind of pump each other up and say, what are you working on today? What success did you have yesterday? So they get to know um, each other, their working style and the things that they're accomplishing. Now, it doesn't mean that we had to say we saved the company $50,000, you know, <laughs> right. it could be something as simple as yesterday, I had a really difficult client, but I was able to find a resolution that made them walk away feeling good that they had an interaction with me. Mm-hmm. So help them see the small wins and, and the more that they can appreciate what each other are doing to support the office, I think that helps relationships to grow. Hmm. So, you know, a lot of this too stems from just that first initial making sure that we're hiring the right team to begin with. Um, so, you know, when we think about team collaboration and conflict, how can we as leaders, as attorneys, uh, make sure that we are hiring the right people for our law practices? I would say two things. One is that it's important to understand your needs, or maybe I should say where you want to fill in the gap. So if you have uh, team members who maybe have this or, or staff members that have the same uh, job title and working on a lot of the s- similar responsibilities, but maybe one person is really strong in terms of talking directly to a customer. Another might be really strong in supporting you and putting together you know, the documents that you need to go to court. But you don't have someone that's really strong in research. And although that's all part of their collaborative work, you want to hire for where you have a gap. So that is one thing, because sometimes we just say, oh, this is a job description. If you can do all these things, but try to give people an opportunity to be an expert in an area and together you can have experts in all areas. So that's one thing. The other thing is in terms of people's personality and I do this training uh, for emotional intelligence. And if you're a little bit familiar with that, emotional intelligence 
is one of the, the core skills that hiring managers are looking for in individuals. The reason being that they prefer someone that has a higher emotional intelligence um, versus someone that's like really, really smart and has a high IQ is because people that have a high emotional intelligence resolve problems quickly. They lead by example. They're calm. They're empathetic. They put more consideration into business decisions. Those aren't so much technical things. Those are about how you get your work done, not what you do. Mark Cuban was just quoted in an article in CNBC where he said one of the most underrated skills in business right now is being nice. Hmm. And when I interviewed people in my 23 years in corporate America, after we get together and we do our, you know, our huddle to figure out who we wanted to hire, guess what the first thing that we asked one another was? Are they nice? <laughs> oh, exactly. <laughs> Did you like them? Yep, yep. So that is important. You want to hire people that can seemingly be nice and get mm-hmm. along with others because in the toughest of times, you're going to want those people that stay right. calm and can still push through. Now, when I hired uh, my first virtual assistant, let me just tell you, mm-hmm. I went to people that I knew. I, I didn't go to Craigslist. I didn't put this on LinkedIn. I mm-hmm. went to my personal Facebook page and put out there, I'm looking for a virtual assistant because I wanted the people closest to me to give that recommendation because I trust them mm-hmm. and knew that they would make the best referrals for me. So you want to be able to find people that are not only good workers, but mm-hmm. have good personalities. Hmm, such great tips. Well, Adrian, thank you so much for joining us today and discussing this important topic of building a team for our law practices. If our listeners want to get some more information on you or reach out to you with questions, how can they do that? Well, you can always visit my website, which is www.coachadrian.com. My name is spelled A-D-R-E-A-N. And also you can email me at info at coachadrian.com. But if you are someone that doesn't mind sending a text, you can text 22828 and you will get a message where you can fill out your information and be automatically listed on my uh, mailing list to receive all kinds of good, juicy inspiration and information and things that will help you to grow and to also build your practice or your organization. Wonderful. So thank you for listening to Elder Law Answers for Attorneys. If you enjoyed today's episode, make sure to share it with a friend or a colleague. Please subscribe on iTunes and find all the past episodes at podcast.elderlawanswers.com. See you next time.